Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. How's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle Podcast. Jamie Eads joining you as I do each and every week. This is episode 157. I am going to be very brief because I am extremely sick today as I'm getting this episode out to you. And I'm about four hours late getting it uploaded because I have slept for about 30 of the last 36 hours, so I apologize for being tardy, but we have a fantastic episode today uh, that I uh, recorded last week with the great Cindy Blackman Santana, and she will be up right after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand, and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned, uh, our guest today really needs no introduction whatsoever. Uh, If you are on this planet, you know all about Cindy Blackman Santana. Um, She first got onto my radar screen, of course, with Lenny Kravitz back in the early 90s um, and and. As I mentioned in the interview, one of my friends said, oh, yeah, you ought to hear her play jazz. And uh, she is just uh, one of the the leading jazz drummers in the world. And of course, she's been the drummer in Santana for the last few years. Um, It just goes without saying this lady is getting it done. And what a wonderful interview we had. Uh, So in-depth, so... um, inspiring. I I just don't know what else to say, to be quite honest with you. So without further ado, please help me welcome to the Drum Shuffle podcast, the great Cindy Blackman Santana. Hey, good afternoon, Cindy. Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Hey, thank you so much. Great to be here. Yeah, we're, we're so excited to have you on here. So 
I know you're probably the uh, busiest woman behind a drum set in the world today. You've got a lot of stuff going on. How's the uh, how's the current run of shows going for you? Oh my goodness, we're having a blast. Um, just lots of energy, lots of excitement, lots of fun, great music. We've had incredible audiences, and um, you know we're we're loving it. Absolutely. Well, I know. Um, you're taking some time on a on a day off as we record this, so I appreciate you doing that. I know days off are <laughs> kind of hard to come by for you, so so thanks for taking the time. We really do appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity to chat. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So I, I'm going to go back a little ways here, uh, 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 and I'm not trying to date anybody here, but a few decades. Um, I'm going to give you a, a personal anecdote. Um, I remember the first time I saw you, of course, was in Lenny's video for Are You Gonna Go My Way? And, you know, I think Lenny actually played drums on that record. Is that right? That's right. Okay. So I see you in this video and I was like, oh my God who is that? What is going on here? I was like, she is a badass. Um, and you know, so I started doing a little bit of research and one of my buddies who was kind of hip and, you know, I think he may have had some connections to Berkeley. He was like, you should hear her play jazz. <laughs> and I just had no idea. Right. My first, um, you know, uh, exposure to you was through Lenny's music, as I think is probably the case for most people, right? Um, but he was like, that's a jazz cat through and through. So, you know, I find it interesting that you've had this, um, you know, kind of a, a dichotomy in your career, but was jazz your first love? You know, I grew up with a lot of music in my house and, you know, being um, the age that I was when I started playing, um, my my peers were into like the Jackson Five and you know all the poppy stuff. Um, but in my home, uh, my father was into jazz, so he had a lot of jazz records. My mom liked classical. Um, my older sister was into all of the funk, rock, you know, kind of hippie vibe stuff. She was, you know, she liked Miles, she liked Coltrane. So she had probably about 200 records, 200 plus records in her collection. Um, so the first stuff that I started actually playing was the more funkier kind of stuff, the more pop stuff. But as soon as um, a family friend turned me on to Max Roach, and this was a, a drummer who played with Jackie McLean, um, Doug Woods, he went by the name of Daoud, and he wrote out a little transcription of one of the patterns that Max was playing. And of course, it was a four-way independence kind of thing because he was using all four limbs, as you do <laughs> in, in jazz drumming. And um, I was like, wow, oh, that just puts a whole nother spin on things because the drummers that I was really listening to the most you know, they were three limb style drummers, which is cool. You know, that's funky. It's great. It's rock and roll. But when I heard that, that just blew my mind. So that got me onto a trek and I was 13. So 
yes, I'm a jazz drummer because that's what I became because that's what I fell in love with. Um, and that's my favorite, my favorite music. Um, but I've always had exposure to all kinds of musics and I like all kinds of musics. So I, I definitely play all kinds of music, but at my core, I am definitely, and as my design, <laughs> I am a jazz drummer. I got you. Okay. Well, you know, I, I just, I always find it interesting because, you know, I mean, I think so many people, um, you know, for, for example, myself as a player, I love to listen to jazz. Couldn't play it if you put a gun to my head, right? I, I just, it's not something that comes natural to me and it always sounds forced. Um, you, you know, but I find that a lot of players that start more, as you put it, a three limb player doing rock, doing funk, doing blues, whatever the case may be, as those players mature, they kind of come back to jazz later in their career or their life. Um, and I wonder if you have any, you know, insight as to why that may be. Well, um, jazz music um, as a as a genre is very explorative, and it takes many factors to make that music happen: intellect, heart, street life your everyday life, you know, that's all rolled up into that music. Um, and so it's a music that makes you think. It's a thinking music. It's a music that makes you um, want to be an individual person and thinker. So it's very stimulating. And that is probably one of the reasons. Um, but in terms of the feel as well, um, rock and roll and, and funk are, are, are musics that um, center around the downbeat, you know, the one. Um, jazz, of course, has that, but the feeling that makes jazz happen is the upbeat. So a lot of people come to that because they want that kind of lively feeling. And when you hear people who mix them, then you get, you know, even if it's a person playing like what I was saying, a, a three-limb style, you know, the field changes. If you listen to James Brown, Clyde and Jabbo, they, they both understood that because they played upbeats within the funk grooves that they were playing. And it added another feeling and dimension to, to the music that, that, they were, that they were making and to James Brown's music. You know, it had that kind of of course, on the one and funk thing happening, but it had that upbeat feeling that gave it <clears throat> propulsion, you know, and and gave it um, kind of a, a lift, if you will. Um, so anybody who comes around to, to listening to jazz only elevates the other things that they're doing because it adds that kind of texture and, and, and dimension that I was talking about. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. <clears throat> My biggest problem, you know, and, and I certainly don't want to make this about me, but, you know, I just have two and four ingrained in, in, in my soul, right? And when that's not there, I feel really uncomfortable as a player. 
So it's hard for me to kind of, you know, uh, flip that switch, if you will. And, you know, not being classically trained, um, you know, it, it just it makes it hard for me personally. And I envy folks that can, you know, move from genre to genre with ease. I, I just I, I've always, um, you know, um, I've really admired people that can do that, uh, such as yourself. And, you know, that's that's OK for you to, to, to feel that and to want to play that exclusively. It's all right. But in the case of, of the James Brown's drummers, they're not leaving the two and four out. They're just playing upbeats around that. Sure. You know, so it just adds to um, everything else that they're doing and, and gives it another kind of feeling. Um, but, you know, there's <laughs> there are a lot of aspects to um, to music. Right. So um, there's the the person who who wants to explore many genres there's a person who's happy with one and that's okay because you know music is is here uh to better our lives and whatever it is that is better in your life is fine you know and that's a good thing yeah. and that's a gift as well yeah I, I, well amen to that i mean i just you know, I see people, um, you know, for example, you know, Dennis Chambers, whom, um, you know, and we can get into this if you want, but I think the the way you first played with, with Santana was you were filling in for Dennis. He had another uh, obligation somewhere, but, you know, Dennis is one of those guys that any piece of music he plays, it is authentic to the core. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> And it's, it, I've just always been in awe of people that can do, do anything and it's their thing, if that makes any sense. Well, of course, I know, but I'm um, speaking of him specifically. He's one of the people who loves uh, multi genres and who understands that. So for him, you know, um, he's one of, one of us who hear um, many different directions and he has the talent and facility to be able to, you know, to be able to, to, uh, play that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's just amazing to me. Um, you know, no matter what you guys are doing, it's your own thing. And I, I think that's the beauty of it. So, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, some of the solo stuff that you're doing right now. And, you know, I think most people are going to be hip to, um, you know, your work as a band leader, but I know that the Cindy Blackman Santana band, you guys are doing a whole big run of dates kind of in between Santana shows. Um, you've got a lot of stuff going on there and, you know, just looking at, some of the folks that you're playing with, there's a lot of um, great lineage in your band. You want to you want to maybe talk about that for a second? Um, yeah, we have some some great stuff coming up. We we did um, some uh, dates uh, on the first leg of, of the Santana Summer Tour. We did some Cindy Blackman Santana Band dates in between and in and out on the West Coast, and now this next run. Um, we'll start on the East Coast. And um, our first show is at Jimmy's 
um, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and uh, that's on um, August 10th. And then August 11th through 13th, we're at Keystone Corner in Baltimore. And August 15th through uh, 19th, we are at Birdland in New York City. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's a blessing to play with, with such great <laughs> musicians um, who also happen to, you know, be musical friends of mine. Um, and the roster changes slightly uh, on each of the shows, on each of the, you know, the different venues. Um, for instance, in Portsmouth, we're going to have um, Aurelian Budnick on guitar, Emilio Modesta on saxophone, uh, Felix Pastorius on the bass, and uh, Mark Carey on the keyboards. And that has been, um, especially the rhythm section, has been a core uh, band for me uh, for for a minute here, and um, Emilio um, is uh, new to the band within this he- this year. Um, he's a person who I've wanted to play with for quite a long time, um, and was finally able to uh, to add him to the roster. And he makes such a a, a a musical statement that is right in line with what I hear. Um, you know, he's so close to, to Wayne Shorter, who was my favorite saxophone player. Uh, of course, Wayne and Coltrane. Um, but Wayne Shorter is, is like, you know, his compositions, his, his playing. He's like, you know, one of my all time favorite and ultimate heroes in music. Um, and so to have, uh, Emilio is, is, is really beautiful because, you know, the sound that I'm hearing, he comes from that. The phrasing that I'm hearing, he comes from that. The temperament musically that I'm hearing, he comes from that. <laughs> Even the temperament personally, he comes from that. So it just fits like a glove, you know, from the first note that we played together. Um, and Felix is is great. Of course, you know, and people always say, well, is that Jocko's son? Yes, he's Jocko's son. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, and that's that's a very cool thing to be. But um, he is a great and fantastic bass player in his own right. Um, he's very well studied, um, amazing player. He has a great uh, harmonic knowledge, which I love. You know, he really listens to the drums, um, which I love. Of course, he listens to the harmonies and to everything else that's going on. Um, but he's just a, a, a fantastic player. So. It's wonderful to, to be with him and um, Mark Carey. Um, I've known him for for quite a long time um, since I lived in Harlem. Actually, you know, he used to come up to to our house and uh, uh, do sessions on our little upright piano. <laughs> That's awesome. And um, yeah, so you know, Mark is is really you know into the music and you know he definitely is in line with um, where I'm coming from, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, from the Miles 60s band, of course, even the Miles 50s band, from the Coltrane Quartet, from Weather Report, you know, um, he's hip to to Lifetime and and all the stuff that that, that I love and that is at my core, you know, are Blake and the Jazz Messengers, um, you know, he, 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 he likes all of the same stuff that I like. Um, Aurelian Budenek and I have been playing together for quite a while as well. Um, 
and again, part of that core rhythm section that I was talking about. Um, he's just really, really great. I love the way he listens. Um, he comes kind of, you know, more from a rock perspective, which is cool because I like to add that kind of hard edged element into the band. Um, and he brings that, that very well. He's got big ears. Um, and he, he plays, uh, uh, very thoughtfully, you know, he doesn't just blow a bunch of fast notes out, you know, he can get to that, you know, cause he's got great technique, but you know, he knows how to, um, build the music and build a solo, you know, so he's, he's very musical player. I love that. And then when we get to, um, uh, Keystone Corner, um, we're going to add and replace, uh, uh, Emilio with, uh, Ravi, Ravi Coltrane. And, uh, so Ravi will be doing that stint with us. Um, and he's just amazing. You know, we did the Saratoga Jazz Festival last month, uh, together and he just brought some amazing stuff to the music, and that was his first time playing the, this music, and it was <laughs> it was just amazing. Um, what he's doing with sounds, you know, um, and then what he plays um, melodically, lyrically, and where he goes harmonically is just amazing. Um, he's a, a a great, and a, you know, another one who's obviously got an incredible father. Um, but he's also another musician who is great in his own right. Um, so yeah, Robbie Coltrane will be with us and we'll have the, the core rhythm section that I mentioned. Um, and then we move on to, uh, Birdland and we have, um, Emilio back. And then, um, in addition to, um, all the other guys, including Aurelian, we're adding David Gilmore, uh, on guitar. So we'll have two guitars in New York. Um, so that'll be Mark Carey, uh, Felix Pastorius, David Gilmore, Aurelian Budenek, Emilio Modesta. And, um, David is, is amazing. He, <laughs> he's, um, able to play in so many different directions. You know, he can, um, he can swing, you know, he can play rock, he can play funk. He's got a vast and great harmonic knowledge. Um, and he really, you know, he loves the same music that I love. In fact, my first trio, um, one of my first trios, um, David was, was a part of. It was David Gilmore, myself, and, uh, Matt Garrison. And we did a bunch of tours in Europe together. Um, we didn't do any stateside gigs, but we, we toured Europe like crazy. Um, and so we, we've played together off and on for, for quite a while. So it's great to be back in the fold with, with David as well. He, he brings a whole nother element that's, that's really, um, amazing, you know, with his, his sound and, and, and with the direction that he plays. Um, so this is going to be a great run. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm very excited and we've not played uh, Birdland before. So this will be a beautiful first. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't realize that you guys hadn't done Birdland. I mean, I know you have obviously, but, um, I didn't realize that, that the band had not. So that'll be great. And, you know, I was just kind of looking through your website. It looks like you've got um, some residencies in, in Vegas coming up later this fall as well. Um, you've got a lot of stuff going on. So how is the, I guess, how is the juggling act between, you know, Santana and, and your own thing as a leader, does that ever make it difficult for you or, or is your itinerary set enough that, that you're okay, you know, switching modalities back and forth? Um, 
You know, I, I like to do that, you know, because it's um, a joy for me to bring to the music what each situation needs. Um, and before I expand on that a little more, I'll just say there are also a couple of surprises that, that we're not able to announce yet that are happening um, this month as well. So those will, will come out uh, soon enough. Um, but back to, to your, you know, the, 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 the gist of your, of your question um, and your comment. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's certainly um, a mindset and it's a um, willingness <laughs> to allow the music to be what it needs to be and to offer um, the statements, the feel, the vibe um, that makes that music sparkle, that makes that music happen, you know. And, and I find a joy in, in doing that. Um, you know, for many years playing with, with, with Lenny, people thought that I was a rock and roll drummer. And at first I was like, wait a minute, I'm not just a rock and roll drummer. But then I thought, you know, actually that's a pretty cool comment because that means I'm doing a good job. Yeah. You know, that means people are hearing and they're saying, wow, this is authentic. This is happening. You know, so actually, you know, it's, it's, it's not offensive. It's, it's, it's a comment, you know, but then when, you know, people would see me play other stuff, they say, whoa, when did you know how to do that? Well, that's what I do. I just, but when I'm in a certain situation that calls for what it calls for, I want to give that music what it needs to the best of my ability. So that's what I I really try to do, you know. Um, and so, you know, juxtaposing in between uh, Carlos and my band isn't as much of a stretch because the, the, there's actually a lot of freedom in, in Carlos's band. There's room to expound, you know. Um he likes some exploration in the music. And of course, you know, the songs are what they are. Um, and he's got tons, as, as everybody knows, tons of hits. And so, you know, there's a certain treatment that those songs need in order for them to happen the way that they need to happen in order to, you know, remain the kind of hits and feel that they, that they are. Um, but then, you know, there's room to, um, to stretch out and to um, expound on those things. And then there are certain pieces that we play that we can stretch out. And, you know, um, he loves the drums. So he's, you know, he gives all of us solos. He gives the two percussionist solos. He gives me solos, you know. Um, so it's it's very much fun. And then when I get to, to my situation, um, you know, um, of course, <laughs> I play whatever the heck I want to because it's my band. <laughs> but I, but I, <laughs> right on. <laughs> but of course, I want to make that music happen. And again, I like the word sparkle. I want the music to sparkle and to shine um, and feel a certain way. So I give it what I feel it needs at that moment. And um, I'm not necessarily trying to make a a pop hit in that band. So, you know, I play the music the way I, I, I feel it on the spot, you know, live and, and in the moment. Yeah. And right on, you know, and I, you know, I think that, um, you know, you're talking about Santana, obviously, and, and Carlos band, and you said he loves drummers and obviously he does. I mean, I just think about the folks that have played with him over the years going all the way back to, you know, Michael Shreve, right. Um, 
there's been amazing players in that band and I would never think to myself, okay, I'm, I'm going to see Santana. This is going to be a very structured song form. <laughs> you know, I mean, that would never enter my mind walking in. Right. I know that there's going to be some expansion on everything. Um, and, well, because that's who he is. Exactly. That's, that's who Carlos is. He's not, <laughs> he's, you know, I mean, of course he can, um, he can, based on on his track record, you see the man knows how to make a pop hit. Yes, you know, but he's a person who who loves Coltrane. He loves Miles. He loves Albert Ireland. He loves Wayne Shorter. He loves Herbie. You know, um, he loves jazz. He loves creative music. So there's always going to be that element in the music because that's who he is. You know, you 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 are when you're true to yourself you're true to your design, you know, which is what I was saying before. I'm designed to be a jazz musician. So I'm always going to have a taste of that element in me, but I'm a professional so I can, you know, uh, hopefully bring the best to whatever music I'm playing. Carlos, his design, his makeup is to have uh, some freedom in the music. Some, And I don't mean freedom that, means um, it's not, the music is not connected to anything. It's just play whatever, you know, there's no musicality there. I mean, you know, there's musicality there, of course. Um, because for me, jazz is what I would say, what I would call uh, controlled freedom. Because it's not that you don't know what you're doing and you're just blowing a bunch of notes. You know exactly what you're doing. You know where you're going and, and you know, you're hearing something in your head. And Carlos is hearing something in his head. He's got a, a big Rolodex of, of music stored up there. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, he can draw on that at any time. And it's, it's very cool. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I mean, I think, you know, it, it, especially in jazz music, you know, there's a lot of call and response and playing off one another, um, you know, that's so important to the, to the, to the form. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I think, you know, you see that in all genres of music. Um, I just think it's amazing. You know, I'm a little bit more regimented, I guess. Um, you know, I, I like to know if, you know, if the tune's going to be 150 bars, great. It's going to be 150 bars, right? <laughs> so, um, I, so I envy those of you that have so much freedom in your music. Um, and I just think it's amazing, you know, what you're doing now w with your own band. Um, I'm assuming you have a song form in mind and, and there's been, a, you, you know, you've rehearsed at least um, what the song form is, but I'm sure you guys stretch your legs in your band as well. Right. Well, yes. I mean, we play the forms. I, I have charts that I've written. I have songs that I've written and they all have form. You know, unless we're doing something that is just a chord that we're working off of. And sometimes we do that. But, you know, the songs, <laughs> they have form. You know, there are songs. And when we're playing a song form, we play the song form. If we leave that song form, we do it intentionally. You know, the, the cats that I'm playing with are, are intelligent. You know, uh, I was watching Tony Williams one time at the Blue Note. And... um Everything that he played was incredible. I was staying for the second show. And after the first show, he just blew my mind so much that I was just sitting there looking at the drums. 
And I was just thinking about all the stuff that he played. And there was one other person in the club uh, sitting, you know, in the audience side. I mean, of course, the waiters and waitresses were there. But there was one other person. And he, and he got up. He looked like a lawyer or a Wall Street guy or something. And he, he had a suit and tie and a, and a briefcase. And, you know, um, I guess because I was the only other person that he, he saw, he walked over to me and he said, that guy that was playing drums, you know, so he obviously came to the club like after work just to have some dinner and hear some music or whatever, but he didn't really know Tony. And he, and he came over to me and he said, <laughs> that guy that was playing, playing the drums, is he intelligent? And I said, <laughs> there's no way that you can play all the stuff that that man just played and not be intelligent. I said, not only is he intelligent, he's a genius. And not only is he a genius, he is the most innovative cat on drums and one of the most innovative cats in music that you will ever experience. And he went, oh, okay. And then he was satisfied because <laughs> he just was bought, was mind-boggled by the stuff that Tony played just like I was, but he didn't know what to make of it because, you know, he wasn't a musician, so he, he just didn't understand. He was trying to put it together. But, yeah, you know, it takes intelligence to 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 play, you know, um, the highest level of music, you know. And if you look at Charlie Parker, if you look at Miles Coltrane, you know, um, uh, Bud Powell, um, Monk, Art Blakey. You look at any of these cats, you know, Wayne, of course, Herbie, Ron Carter, and I already mentioned Tony. Look at Elvin McCoy. You know, Jimmy Garrison, all these cats, they, they were intelligent people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And they played the music that they played with the way they played it, especially that Miles band in the sixties, they always played the form, no matter how far they stretched it, they played form, you know, no matter where in the form, let's say, you know, Miles ended a solo on the bridge and then let's say it's an ABA song. Wayne took the next solo, he might start on the last day, but they all knew that it was on the last day. They knew where they were. It might sound turned around to you or might, they didn't know what they were doing, but they totally knew what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it just all, you, you know, for somebody like me who has, you know, played semi-professionally, right. I, I, I've never done the things that, that all of these amazing guests that I have have done. Um, it still kind of boggles my mind sometimes when I listen to some of that stuff. You know, you've mentioned Art Blakey several times. You know, I can listen to all his stuff and I still am only scratching the surface of understanding for me, right? But I, it doesn't mean that I don't want to listen to it anymore. I want to listen to it even more, right? Um, to try to figure out exactly what he was doing. And I know you spent a lot of time with, with art back in the day. And, you know, I, I've, I think I read it in Modern Drummer. I'm not sure. But you said that you, you know, picked his brain quite a lot. I mean, wh what is that like? It was incredible. You know, um, I was, um, well, <laughs> was able to become friends with him and, um, because of two people, because of Wallace Roney and because of his daughter, Evelyn Blakey. Um, and 
we became really tight, like father and daughter. Um, and so I used to babysit for his children. So I was at his house a lot. So I got to ask him a lot of questions and talk to him. And it was amazing just to even hear the stories about, you know, the scene and what all the musicians went through, you know, um, stuff that he personally went through, um, hearing his take on the music at that time, the music that was happening, you know, when I was around him, you know, um, it was just incredible and amazing treasure um, of knowledge and information that he passed on. And, you know, I, I, I couldn't be more grateful. I mean, you know, everything from shading the symbol to playing a shuffle, you know, to playing on a pillow to, you know, talking about um, Billie Holiday. So many things that he shared with me were just <laughs> incredible. It was, um, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like learning at the hand of the master, right? I mean, I, I oh, just... Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, it, you know, but I mean, I listen to his stuff and I, I, I have a rudimentary understanding of what he was doing, but it, it just... You know, I, I I haven't gotten to the point where I can listen to it and go, oh, I know exactly what he was doing here, right? I mean, and you know, and that's okay, that's all right, you know, because part of it is just loving it. You know, we need that too. The music needs that too. So, you know, just to love it is enough. My my uh, younger sister picked up the uh, piano, the acoustic guitar, and she sings. She's like a singer songwriter. My older sister. Um, was a singer um, at the time. She doesn't sing anymore, but, you know, uh, she sang. And my brother, um, an avid listener, didn't play anything, didn't play a note on any instrument. And he said to me one day, he says, you know, I, I feel a little, you know, left out because you three, all my sisters, you guys play, mom plays violin, but dad and I, we, we, don't, we don't play anything. And I said, but Tony... Don't you understand how important you are because you listen to the music and you love the music. We need that too. That's important. That's all a part of it. You know, so it it's not for everybody to to necessarily understand every single thing that is happening. I can't tell you every harmony that Herbie plays. I don't understand that. He's <laughs> way over my head. Right. But I tell you what, I know I love it. I hear that sound and I want to have it. I have to have it. And to my, you know, whatever understanding of harmony I have, um, that's my favorite direction. So, yeah. you know, loving it to me is, is extremely important and is not to be slighted. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, and one of the ideas that I've you know, explored with other guests, um, you know, on the podcast is, you know, there used to be a certain, um, you know, aura around our favorite artists. And, and one of the examples that I gave was, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I was really into hard rock and, and I, I would, gosh, I wonder what the next album's going to sound like, or I wonder what they're doing today. They're not on tour. Are they writing? you know, whatever band we were talking about at the time. And now the intrigue is almost gone with, with social media because, you know, I can, I can tell you what some of these guys had for lunch yesterday. 
right? <laughs> I, I mean, the, 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 you know, the intrigue and, and the waiting with bated breath to hear the next bit of news, it's, it's all kind of gone. So, you know, I guess going into it, you know, listening to some of this stuff without a full understanding makes it all the more cool. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And um, I would say that you are definitely correct in terms of what social media is doing to the music, but as well, what social media cannot take away, what AI cannot take away is the waves of vibration that a musician, that a band moves when you hear them live. AI cannot copy that. Social media cannot copy that. So I don't care how much social media there is out there. I don't care how much AI they have. I don't care how many buttons you're pushing to make a song happen. You cannot uh, recreate artificially the air that is being moved when you hit a bass drum or hit a drum or when somebody, you know, plays, when Carlos plays a note on the guitar or when somebody plays a note on the saxophone, you know, or you hear the, the, the vibration happening from a, a, a piano. There's no way that, you can, that, vi- that, that those vibrations and those waves of sound and energy can be recreated artificially. So there's still an intrigue. You just have to go to hear it live to see it. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of the young population, they don't get that. They don't understand that because they have grown up with social media. They've grown up with the AI that we have thus far. They've grown up with, you know, pushing buttons to make music, to make beats, <laughs> Yeah. you know, um, so that's that's an unfortunate thing that, you know, a lot of this generation suffers from. And not all of it, because there are some cats who, you know, some young cats who, who, who are, are really honing in on playing their instruments, you know. But um, that aspect needs to be um, talked about more, because people need to go hear live music so that they can really feel what's going on. Yeah, I got that's that that's where the that's where the magic lies. That's that's where you really, really get it, you know? Agreed. And you know, you're you're preaching to the choir on that, so to speak. You know, I I have said I don't know how many times it's not necessarily about the notes you play. Most of the time it's about the notes you don't play. It's the the space and where everything lives and how it works off of, you know, another player. Um, That's where the magic is in my mind. Right. And I I just think that, you know, especially with social media, you know, Instagram and YouTube and all these things, you know, it only takes me a cursory search of 20 seconds to find an eight-year-old kid that can play, you know, just ridiculous chops, but you may not ever see him in a band setting, right? So I, I think mm-hmm. that part is definitely lacking. Um, you, you know, if you just get to be a, you know, a, a shredder on guitar, that's great. But can you go play in a band? That's right. Right. Can you go hold back until it's your turn to take a solo? And I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but 
you know, especially with AI, which is way above my pay grade. You know, I, I, I don't know if you saw it or not, but somebody asked Joe Walsh <laughs> about AI in music the other day. And he said, well, until AI can trash a hotel room, it doesn't mean a whole lot to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I thought that was kind of a funny take on it. He was like, it can't replace the human. No, it can't. And, you know, um, while you can actually get a robot to trash a hotel room, <laughs> because trashing, a, no disrespect, but trashing a room just, you know, yeah, you can get it. But can you get it to have heartfelt notes? Yeah. Can you get it to breathe life into a melody? I think not. Yeah. I, I, and I agree with you. And, you, you know, I, I tell people all the time, um, you know, go see a live band while there are still live bands there, you know, there's just a, you know, and I don't want to get on a soapbox here, but you know, so many bands are running, you know, so many tracks, um, you know, it's almost just like a dance show to your album kind of thing. And I think that's sad. I would much rather pay my hard earned money to go see people that are living, breathing it to life live you know warts and all oh, absolutely i mean yeah, that's sure that's sure. where the magic is um is to you know to go see santana or to go see your band two nights in a row and it not be the exact same show that's the magic exactly. mm-hmm. you know yep. and i'll tell you prince said it right he said use technology don't let technology use you yeah amen yeah i mean that's so very true um Cindy, I want to be respectful of your time. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, but, I, you know, I just want to say this. You know, you're such an inspiration to all of us. Um, you know, this is a big deal for me to have you on the show because, like I said, the very first time I ever laid eyes on you, I was like, oh, my goodness, what is going on here? And, you know, again, a friend said you should hear her play jazz. Um, and so I sought that out, you know, as soon as I possibly could, um, what words of wisdom would you give to some of the younger players coming up now? What are the things that, that you feel everybody should be working on more than what they are? Um, I don't know about more than what they are because I don't know what everybody's working on, but I would say, you know, always follow your heart with the music. Let your, let your heart lead your intellect. Let your heart lead your mind. Let your heart lead your hands. Um, work on a sound. Sound is so important. If Miles Davis played one note, I'd be totally happy. I'd be so satisfied I wouldn't need to hear anything else the rest of the night because that one note is so heartfelt, so beautiful, so rich, and has so much incredible tone that I'd be totally satisfied. So work on a sound before you work on like speed and playing like a speed demon and all that. That's all great. But to get a tone out of your instrument is really, really important. Um, work on building 
vocabulary so that you have choices, so that you're not limited to playing, you know, and you're not relegated to playing, well, I only know one beat, so I can only play this one beat, or I only know one chord, so I can only play on this one chord. For me, I like to have choices. So I like to build my vocabulary so that I can pick and choose what it is that I want to play at any given moment. You know, I don't want to have to be relegated to to playing one thing here or there just because that's the only thing that's in my Rolodex. So building a sound, building a vocabulary, listening to all of the greats that you love, all of the musicians that you love, all the genres that you love, and then taking the best things that inspire you out of that and putting that into your vision, into your music, into your sound, into your tone, so that you have something to build on. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I want to get my own style. And that's, that's a great thing. Tony Williams said it best. You can't get your own style until you understand where the lineage came from. And he said it in different words, but that's what he was saying, you know, when you understand that. So check out the lineage of your instrument, check out the lineage of your music, and then make your choices from there because you'll have a base, you'll have a ground. You know, if you build a house on toothpicks, it's going to fall. But if you build a house with a solid base, you know, and choose what you want, of course, out of what you're hearing, then you're going to have a much better um, musical uh, uh, projection, you'll have a much better sound and, and you'll have a much more solid uh, uh, arena to draw from because you will have choices and you will have great choices. And then that allows you to really mix it up and make new things happen. But without knowing <laughs> where things came from, it's impossible to do that. You know, the drum lineage is so important to me that, you know, anybody who's really serious about furthering what they want to do and wherever somebody is at is totally fine because, you know, there's there's a part of music that's just for fun, just to have fun, you know, just do that and, and enjoy and just make yourself giggle. You know, that's really important at any level to make yourself giggle and get a kick out of the music because when you do, somebody else will. But to go back and listen to the lineage and understand the importance of this instrument and what it is in the music. And I mean, go back to Africa, because you mentioned earlier call and response. That's all from Africa. If we didn't, if, if, if our rhythm did not come from Africa, we would not have the call and response because the drums were used to communicate, to talk, to send messages. And that developed a whole language in itself. And that's where jazz comes from. It comes from European harmonies and African rhythms. So we need to understand that in order to further what we're doing. If that's the direction we want to go. For me, that's the direction I personally want to go. That's what I've chosen. Um, and it's not for everybody. But if it is for you, then... It would behoove you to really, really understand, have some sort of understanding 
of what this lineage is, where it came from, and how it got to the point that it got to. How did we get to having the choices that we have? You know, go back to Baby Dodds and where he played time, which was on the snare drum. How did that develop into keeping time on the ride symbol? How did that develop into four-way coordination style? How did, that, how did we get there? You know, go to Kenny Clark. How did he develop playing swing time and, and then dropping bombs on the bass drum? That led to the rise of, of our Blakey and Max and Philly and Elvin. And, of course, you know, guys like Pete LaRocca. And, and, and that led rise to Tony Williams and all the choices that Tony gave us. And then you have all the guys that came after Tony who listened to that, who would not have been who they were if they hadn't listened to Tony and Philly and Roy and Max and, you know, Art Blakey um, and Elvin, you know, um, you have all of that whole lineage. You got Buddy Rich, where he came from, and listening to what he did, those sparkling hands of his. How did we get to, how did he get to that? So there's, there's just a plethora of greatness to enjoy. <laughs> For me, it's a joy, you know, because I love drumming and I love music, you know. So I would say, and this is kind of long-winded, but, you know, for young cats coming up, there are so many things to discover and, and to, you know, enjoy. So starting from, you know, building your sound to, you know, having an ear and listening and finding out what the lineage of lineage is of, of the history of the music that you love, uh, the instrument that you love, and then building and expounding on that in all these many different ways that, you know, and, and many of which I just mentioned. Yeah, man, I tell you what, that's, um, I'm smiling from ear to ear because, you know, hopefully a hundred years from now, somebody will find this podcast and they'll be like, ah, wow. You know what I mean? Like, that's the good <laughs> stuff is what you just said is it's homework for generations to come. And that, I mean, it just, it thrills me to hear you say that. So thank you. Um, that's fantastic. I mean, it's just a, a great conversation and, um, you know, a really cool drum hang if I don't say so myself. You know, that's very awesome. much so. Yeah. Well, Cindy, I, again, I can't thank you enough for coming on. And, you know, please keep me posted on everything that's going on. And if you ever want to come back and talk about anything, you're always welcome here. Um, I, I'm just been such a huge fan since all the way back in, you know, 92, 93. Um, it was a real honor for me to have you on the show and I appreciate your time and, uh, give, give our best to Carlos, please. I will do. Thanks so much for having me. And I, and I would, uh, very much love to come back and, and, and chat some more. This has been great. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Well, we will make that happen. So, uh, have a, a good run of shows and, uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Looking forward to that. Thank Thanks. you so much. Thanks, Cindy. All right, guys and girls, that's going to wrap up episode 157 of the Drum Shuffle podcast. Thanks so much to Cindy Blackman Santana for taking some time out of uh, her busy schedule. She's touring with two bands currently, so um, I, I know she doesn't have a whole lot of time to spare, but she was so gracious and uh, just had a great conversation with her. And if you're not inspired after listening to that, 
what's wrong with you? I don't know. Uh, But thanks to each and every one of you for tuning in. We simply cannot do this show without each and every one of you doing so week in and week out. Please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you use to listen to the Drum Shuffle podcast. Uh, It helps us more than you'll ever know. And the biggest thing you can do to help us is share a link with a friend. Just say, hey, check out this show. You might like it. That helps us more than you'll ever know. And we appreciate it greatly. We answer every single email that we get here. The Drum Shuffle Podcast at gmail.com is our email address. The web address is thedrumshuffle.com, and you can find more information on me over at jamieeds.com. We'll be back next week with another great episode, so make sure you hit that subscribe button so you won't miss anything coming up. So until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody.